When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. It is 14 tonight. And now he sends one to center field. That'll send Tavares back. Could it be? Four in a row. Four in a row for Altuve. Five and six at bats. The legend continues to grow. Absolutely incredible. What a great way to start the day. A home run call. Not just a home run call, but a home run call on the third home run of a player who hit home runs in each of the first three innings. That would be Jose Yatuve, and the home run calls would be coming from Todd Callis and Jeff Blum. Excellent way to start the day. Well, obviously a lot going on in baseball, and you can find every little bit Every morsel of what is happening, what is entertaining, what is enlightening, what is informative, at BB isn't boring. The socials, Twitter, Instagram, producer Evan will keep you updated, will keep you informed, entertained, all of it. At BB isn't boring. And once again, we want to thank our great friends at FanDuel for jumping aboard the baseball isn't boring express and, and, and. And just helping us power through this entire season. Thank you, FanDuel. All right. Well, speaking of powering through the entire season, it is time to appreciate. Time to appreciate the player and the team that is absolutely powering past everybody so far. Now, we don't know what's going to happen in the postseason. Who knows what the final story is going to look like. But as we sit here right now, the Atlanta Braves, let's just pause, take a day, and appreciate what they're doing. The only team with 90 wins. And they just happen to have a player named Ronald Acuna Jr., who is the best player in baseball. I said it. There it is the best player in baseball. So what do we do? How do we appreciate this moment, this team, this player? Well, we get on a guy who is excellent at what he does. Broadcaster for the Braves, Nick Green. He was always excellent in what he did when it came to filling a lot of roles for a lot of different teams, including pitcher, by the way, a a sneaky good pitcher for a position player, Nick Green. He is a guy that we want to turn to. He is the perfect guy to turn to when trying to appreciate the Atlanta Braves and Ronald Acuna Jr. and everything around that team and also appreciate 
Nick Green's path to where he is right now. It's just a great guy to have on. So once again, hit that follow button. Please, please, please rate, review, subscribe. At BB isn't boring. This is a great, great way to keep our momentum going today by having the great Nick Green on. So here you go. Here is your opportunity to appreciate the team, the player, and the broadcaster that all deserve to be appreciated. All right, there's nobody I'd rather have on right now at this moment than Nick Green. Nobody, Nick. <laughs> nobody. Why, why? Why is that? I don't know, man. Because because first of all, we're going to talk. I want I want you to tell me if you are are uh, witnessing the best player um, to play in this game this year and and maybe in the last ten years in a second. But really, it's just to see your smiling face and remember <laughs> and remember the the gritty gutty Nick Green who you know had a good major league career. Um, and uh, is an excellent broadcaster and uh, just an all-around good guy. So I'm here well, to build thanks, up. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by the way, I was telling the story <laughs> the other night. We were having dinner uh, here in St. Petersburg in uh, Ian Brown of MLB.com. I said, oh, yeah, Nick's coming on the podcast. And these are, they're all excited. And I said, you know, a great story was at the Boston Baseball Writers Dinner where Ian Brown had a 15-minute conversation with your brother telling what a great season he had. <laughs> and a kid, I'm not knowing that it's your identical, as, as, as Ian said, there is no more identical twin than your identical twin. So there you go. Oh, that's hilarious. I remember that because I have a picture. Of the the uh, shirt they gave me was like massive. So it was, instead of being like this, it was like the way I hear it. I was it was hilarious, <laughs> but that was that was a great time, man. That's hilarious. So yeah, actually, yeah. you know what? Brian Cashman talked to my brother when I was in New York. He saw him in the elevator, talked to him for five minutes, thinking it was me too. Did he offer him a job? No, he did not offer him a job. Unfortunately, <laughs> your, your brother should be trained for such moments. Like, yeah, no say, kidding, right? Say all the things that, that you you either need to say or can't say. So, but anyway, um, first of all, how are you doing? Like, so let me ask you this: take us through for people who don't know. Take us through your progression from excellent baseball player. Um, former starting shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. I remember that. And mm-hmm. uh, to to you know, how your career evolved and also to how you got into this wonderful world of media. Tell me a little bit about that. So I'll, I'll summarize it quickly because people probably don't want to listen to the whole thing. But, um, yeah, so it was – I got – actually, you know what? The, the start of my career was something that most people don't get to uh, kind of deal with and get the opportunity I got because – in 2004, I was at AAA, uh, doing well, but Jesse Garcia had went on bereavement. So I was up for three days. The second day I was there, Marcus Giles and Andrew Jones collide in the outfield. This is with Atlanta. They collide in the outfield. Uh, Marcus breaks his collarbone. So I have to come in the ballgame. Um, then the second day, I was the only guy there. It was a, a Sunday, um, day game against Milwaukee. Ben Sheets punches out 18. Um, that was my first big league start. I did not strike out. I was one for three, so I was proud of myself. <laughs> uh, then we get back home, and I faced Randy Johnson in my second game. He throws a perfect game. I was like, this league is really, really easy. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's kind of how I got my start. And I played for two, I think two months until Marcus got back. And then I was on the bench, uh, played a couple times a week. And then I get traded to Tampa. 
uh, play there for a year and a month or so. I go to the Yankees um, in 2006. After I made the team in Tampa in 2006, but then I got traded because I was uh, three for 39 to start out. So that was pretty impressive, actually. In one of the in one of the, one of those three hits was a sacrifice bunt that turned into a base hit. So oh, really? I'm proud of that too. Yeah, nice. proud Excellent. of that too. Like Grimby, Gunny, um, Wiley, Nick Green. Excellent. <laughs> and then I, then I ended up bouncing around, man. I, I, but bounced around with Seattle, um, uh, Boston. If I can get the dates right, L.A. That's where I met my wife, so that was good. Yeah. Um, then I was in Toronto. Uh, Miami, and I feel like I'm missing one. That was eight, eight teams. So anyway, uh, I finished in 2013, and um, I think it was like 35 years old. So felt like I played a long time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I my dad was put up sports setting, so I put up sports setting in the off season after um, I got done playing, and then that whole summer, of the following year, I decided I needed to do something different. So I started selling cars. I uh, sold cars for like eight months and I did like three or four games um, in uh, Gwinnett, the AAA team for the Braves. So what happened, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Schiavone, yeah. the AEW broadcaster, famous WCW broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. So he was doing Braves games and he let me come up and work with him. And I ended up doing hundred and something games for free up there. And then Paul Bird, Paul Bird needed somebody to fill in on the pre and post game show for the Braves. He calls me, I fill in, and then uh, three years in, I started doing a lot of games. I've been doing it for nine years. So oh, that's kind of how it works. See, that's yep. a good story. I'm glad you told it. It's, yeah. it's a story of perse- perseverance and also, by the way, putting up athletic – I don't even know what athletic netting is. Like what is like, like- – <laughs> It's like back backstops for uh, baseball fields and soccer netting, uh, things like that, batting cages. I mean, so- it, it, with you know, I'm sure your dad has a great business, but – like that's the tough thing, man. Like I had, or we had on Ortiz the other day, and like Ortiz is an extreme, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he's like, guys have to show their personality, why they're playing, in order yep. in order to hit the ground running when they don't play. And and I didn't really look at it through that lens before, um, but he's so right, Nick. Like he's so right. Like when because anytime a media entity. Like an opportunity comes up, so they go, "Oh, I remember that guy. He was fun yep. to be around." You know, you know what I'm saying. And some guys, I don't think they get that. Well, you think about like how it worked with me with Paul Bird. I played with him in Atlanta, and I played with him in Boston. And um, you know, he was happened to do a job that I thought might be cool. Well, I hadn't talked to Birdie in probably I don't know two or three years, and he just called and was like, "Hey, I think you'd be great. Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll try it." Now, the, the one thing that I thought was important for me was, um, and obviously you grow as a broadcaster, but to be able to go to AAA where Tony Tony literally told me, he's like, nobody cares what you say, what happens, just talk. <laughs> and then, so, it, but you have to do that because I didn't talk a whole lot when I played. And then um, now everything's changed a little bit. And obviously, if you have the big personality, people are going to kind of flock to you a little bit more and want you to kind of entertain the idea of being on TV or radio or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, what he said is true. If you want to hit the ground running, you've got to make an impression with either teammates or people you've been around. Um, and the media, the media is always looking for new faces too. Oh, so yeah. they're constantly saying, Oh, this guy was great with the media. Let's try him out. You think you'd like to do it now? The only thing is, is it pays a whole lot less than what they get paid on the field. So, <laughs> so it's, 
you, you have to want it to, to make it work. I mean, you were probably getting paid more with from your dad putting up the netting. Well, you said you did when I game. started. Yeah, you, you said you did the game for free, right? I mean, you said you did, I did the game I did it for free. free. Yeah, yep, I did it for and, free. And and so I because you know we're going to get into the other stuff in a second, but because I love the like talking broadcasting and and honestly, a lot of broadcasters like they don't want to talk about like the realities of broadcasting mm-hmm. about because it's almost like you know we must do it this way and i'm not saying everybody but it's i you see this like well like this is a cookie cutter like way of doing a thing and i get that i get like how guys come up and they're taught a certain way and everything else but i think it's changed so much and and when it comes to former athletes nick the biggest challenge i think is just being critical but not being critical yep. like where you know, all the time, but just when you need to be, because if you're not critical when you need to be, people see right through it, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the dagger for any ex-athlete going into broad, I think, anyway. The, the worst part about it is they want you to be critical on every single play. And if you're going to mess up, things are going to happen. You're going to have a mental lapse. It's, it's just part of the game. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, you have to try to balance that, that out as well. The other thing is what, what I try to do is – um, and they're obviously with the Braves, they're not a whole lot to be that critical about. So it's a little bit easier. But when I started, the Braves were bad. And, um, you know, we had to be careful what we were saying because we couldn't keep piling on because it just wasn't good for the brand, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you have to also look, what I'd say when I'm broadcasting or whatever, I look in the mirror and say, okay, if that guy looks in the mirror and what I said, he's like, oh, that makes sense. He's correct. Then I'm fine. Right. I'm not just going to go bash somebody just to bash somebody. Like, for instance, Ronald Acuna Jr., he's now he's being smarter on the bases. He's not running full speed every single time. That's fine because that's what they want him to do. And that's the way he's going to stay healthy. When he first started, he was pimping home run balls that weren't getting out. And that's when you had to be like, okay, well, we need to, you know, increase the, the level of intensity a little bit, uh, and be a little bit better as far as, you know, hustling all the time. So, there, there is a balancing act there for sure, but again, I think that if you if you say state things and don't overdo it, uh, that they can look in the mirror and say, "Oh yeah, you're right." Then there's nothing wrong with that. And you have to say it. Have you gotten the? You should know this, but from a player, you should know how hard this is. I haven't. Be, I haven't. Uh, no, because I know how hard it is. So for me, like, <laughs> I get it. Like, I understand it. Like, there's. I mean, there are things that you know irritate every broadcaster. It, it just happens, but. You have to understand that everybody's different too. So, you know, there might be some guys that are capable of doing something that other they're not. And so, um, you know, there's there's a I think there's a time and place to jump in and, and talk about it, and there's a time and place just to let it go. All right, you mentioned Acuna. You know yeah. what it's like to obviously hit 473 foot home runs and and run. We didn't back. have we didn't have distance back then. Right? I know what you were robbed. What was, <laughs> what was the what was the furthest home run you ever hit? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I hit I hit a couple to center field. One in in Chicago, it was pretty far. One in Texas, it was pretty good. And then I hit one. Actually, my 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 last home run um, ever in uh, Marlins Park to left field, bouncing the concourse. So did I don't you, know. I mean, it did probably, you ever it bat flip? Like four ten. No, you ever well, bat I wish flip? I would have. Oh, I wish I would have. Come on, come on. Uh, I might have been better if I knew what knew the swing. Like everybody knows it now. 
I was a I was a choppy line drive ground ball swing. I know you were you, you, you were robbed of the analytics. Yes, so. you were. You were. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if that was the case because uh, that's a whole other story. Anyway, so Acuna Junior. So this is one of the things I want to talk to you about is we we have this conversation now about the NL MVP Mookie Betts versus Acuna Junior. But I want to take it to the next level. Like, I look at, I think, first of all, I would take Acuna Jr. I love Moki. I think he's having a great year. But I don't think people understand what we're seeing with this guy, with Acuna, where every single facet of the game, he is the best at. Yeah. Like, the best. And and we talk about measuring things. Well, science suggests that it is true. Throwing arm. Running speed, you know, hitting the ball the furthest and everything. Just first of all, am I wrong or am I right? Have you ever, have you seen a player? When was the last time you saw a player in Major League Baseball who is the best at everything like this guy is? I, I don't think I have. I mean, you, you could probably look at Mike Trout whenever he was running and say, okay, that's comparable. Uh, but also, you look at Mike Trout, he's much bigger than Ronald. Ronald Ronald's like six foot. 195 maybe 190 something like that and you know trout's what 215 220 230 i don't yeah. even know what he is he's a big boy so it's it's hard to compare like when when i start comparing guys i i look at body type and kind of what the what they do in general and i i, I don't know anybody ronald's size that could do what he does now i've been looking back at different things i look at eric davis and you know eric davis in his prime now his he had like a small window of this success, but Ronald's not going to have a small window and he wasn't, he didn't hit for average like Ronald does. So the, it, every time you go to compare him to somebody, there's something that stands out that Ronald does that the other people never did. Mm. Um, but he gets, he, the, the cool part about Ronald too is we judged him so early in his career when he first came up and he was like, he was a 20 year old. And what were we doing at 20 year olds? We were maniacs, right? <laughs> so Ronald is doing things that, that, you know, guys in the past weren't happy about him doing bat flipping, you know, taking it easy on certain balls, like all kinds of things that he wasn't doing that the quote old school players were like, you don't play the game like that. And now Ronald's 25, I think. And he's a completely different ball player. And the, the way he's matured, the, um, the improvements in his game, it's, I don't know who you can compare him to at all right now. And, and, Again, he's 25. He's not even like you. What do they say? Their prime's late, late 20s. Yeah. Well, he's not again, even there yet, but I don't know how he can get any better. Honestly, don't let the only thing that the only thing that Ronald could do a little bit better is reading the ball at the bat in the outfield because he could do everything else. And, and you can look at the outs above average, it's pretty bad. Uh, but everything else is just incredible. And he's going to be better in the outfield too. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know who we can compare him to. Honestly. Well, I mean, like you just said, you it's a great. Uh, perspective, like what were you doing at twenty? Okay, well, as you're talking size wise and everything, I immediately think of Mookie. But I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what was Mookie at at twenty five? So Mookie yeah. is thirty. So let's do. That. I mean, he was good. Was that the MVP I, year? Yeah, MVP? actually, I won the MVP. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a good conversation. Maybe like that's that's the better conversation. It's not Mookie versus Acuna, but Mookie because. Mookie as a fielder was better than, right? Mm-hmm. He just was. Like, he still has that arm, everything else about it. But it's uh, – I just don't 
think people understand what they're seeing. And, and the other part about this, Nick, is that the guy signed a contract. Like, the guy signed a contract. <laughs> yep. and, and, and you you know as well as I do, this can, this is going to go either way when a guy signs a contract. Mm-hmm. It's gone the right but, way. There, there. You look at look at Ronald though, and um, you think about kind of how he's turned things around. The ACL injury might have been the best thing that ever happened to him, even though it was devastating, right? So he misses the World Series. He doesn't get to play in the World Series that, that year. He's devastated about that. He comes back last year and he struggles. Doesn't play the, the up to the capabilities he's capable of, up to his capabilities, and then he has a few like nagging injuries. And this offseason, he came back saying, hey, I want to prove that I'm the best player in the league. Like, that's what his motive is. Now, he wants to help the team win, and that's one of the most important things, too. And that's something that's I think has changed a little bit, too, because he was just playing before. Now he's doing so many small things to help this team win every single day that it's crazy. But the missing the World Series and then, um, you know, bouncing back last year, it, it didn't just come so easy to him there's more motivation for Ronald to continue to be great. And yeah, you, you, you talk about his contract. He signed a hundred million dollar contract when he was young. Well, Alex Anthopoulos knows exactly what he's doing. He said, this kid's going to be a superstar. If I offer him a hundred million, he's not turning that down. Yeah. If he offered him 60, he would have turned it down. And so he offers a hundred. Now he's got him at a bargain. Now they, they have to figure something out there, but um, he's been, he's been phenomenal in the clubhouse too this year. Hey, by the way, yeah. Did you know? Did I, I looked this up the other day? So the the thirty home run, fifty stolen base club. Yeah, Eric Davis, Barry Bonds, and Ronald. All three of those guys happened in their age twenty five season. Really? Mm-hmm. Look at look at you with your research. That's why. Hey, sometimes they make me do stuff. Oh research. my god, that's pretty. Good. And I'm, not, I'm my own research team, by the way. But that's that's why <laughs> that's why you're one of the best because honestly, like that's that's an important part of the job. The um. You know, with when it comes to the the contract, we had it, uh, Alex Anthopoulos on, and I asked him. I said, "When was the first time? When do you remember uttering the words? Maybe we should give Ronald Acuna an extension." <laughs> was it like at, at Chili's <laughs> in Northport? I mean, what, what was it? But it, it was. You are so right when it's what you said. You you offer a hundred and not sixty, because this. I'll give you another Mookie bet story. Mookie said that the toughest deal that he had to turn down was that first offer because you never see that, right? Mm-hmm. You never see that. And think about how that life would have changed if the Red Sox just understood that, understood mm-hmm. that, hey, we're not setting the value of what we think. We're increasing that because we think that you're going to – they should have blown him away, which is what they did yep. with Kuna, right? And well, yep. there you go. There you go. Yep. So. Well, you, you think about think about Ozzy Albee's deal too. Ozzy's is different because he he was he had a broken elbow, so he didn't know exactly what he was going to be. He wasn't hitting well left-handed, so Alex still goes out on a limb and offers him thirty-five million. And Ozzy's like, okay, well, I can set my family up for life. I don't know what I'm actually going to be because I don't know if I'm going to be fully healthy with my elbow. And then he wasn't hitting well left-handed, so like Alex knew exactly where that that fine line was where Ozzy would say yes. And he knew where that fine line was where. Ronald would say yes as well. So what's it like with those extensions? Like I've, I talked to, when I was swinging through there, I saw Charlie Borton, which by the way, like what a great (laughs) guy to talk to, right? I mean, he, uh, but he was, he he was, uh, he was, uh, but he was, I said, you know, what is this like where you have, 
it, with all these guys in here, with all these contracts, everyone's like going to be here forever. And you're all good. You're the, you happen to be the best uh-huh. team in baseball. Being around these guys, is there any correlation? First of all, like when they agree the contracts, is it because, hey, I saw my buddy agree. So I saw my buddy agree. So I saw my buddy agree. And then is there any correlation to the security of all these guys being locked up to to being good? I, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you walk in that clubhouse and there's, there's a smile on everybody's face. There's not any bad seat in there. And that's one of the things Alex has done so well is, you know, a lot of times when you have these great teams, they're going to be one or two guys that are not really great guys to be around. Right. So everybody in that clubhouse is, is a fantastic person. And that's the first thing that's important. Number two is they have great leadership and Brian Snicker and the coaching staff's incredible. Um, and you look at the, look at the long-term deals though. You look at Sean Murphy's deal, Sean Murphy, 70 something million dollars. Why would he turn that down? He wasn't getting it anywhere from Oakland. Like in that, he comes over to Atlanta and they're like, okay, here, here you go. Here's, here's a bunch of money. It, Matt Olson comes over. He wasn't getting that from Oakland. And actually, when you think about Matt Olson's deal too, is they went a little bit over, I think, what Matt was expecting because he signed it so fast. Right. So like they, Alex did the same kind of thing with Ronald. It's like, oh, well, I can't turn that down. Like I've got to sign that. And, and then all, you know, you're going to have a, a great chance to get to the World Series every year. Well, Riley's deal is over two hundred million dollars, so his is not chump change either. So, but it, but it's it's the way it's spread out. Nothing caps out uh, or goes over twenty two million dollars. I think is where the cap is. So Alex knows what the salaries are going to be moving forward, and so that allows allows these guys to know that we're going to have a great team because we're not running out of money. We're not pulling what the Nationals had done, uh, you know, with Strasburg and and Scherzer, where they're owing them twenty something million dollars a year for three, four years after they're done there and playing. So there's no, like they're coming over to Atlanta, knowing what's going to happen and how Alex is going to build the team, I think is a big part of it. But then once you get here, every single person that has gotten in that clubhouse has, has just fit in perfectly. And they're so excited to be there. And I think that's, that's another factor that, um, you know, makes this team so successful too. And those long-term deals, which guys want to sign. And they're not old. I mean, it's not like well, Mike. I forgot Michael Harris too. His his uh, is not yeah, small either. It's seventy <laughs> something million dollars too. So. <laughs> yeah, but but it's but you're, it's not like you're getting into the uh, we we signed this guy to an eleven year contract and, and he's yeah. in his thirties. I mean, it's so it's it really is amazing. So let me let me ask you the here and the now of this team. They just came off the series with the Dodgers. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this is the danger that this is like, I talked to Justin Turner. Um, he talked a little bit about last year's Dodgers team, 111 wins He's like, and he said like, but when we got to the playoffs there, we had lost that sense of like what it's like to like play urgent, urgent baseball mm-hmm. games, um, which is understandable. And we've seen also in recent years where teams snuck in with 88 wins and they go on rolls. But yeah. uh, so when you look at that, this team heading in the postseason, and if they are on a collision course with the Dodgers, do you feel like they're they're going to have the proper mind? You never know, but you have a proper mindset. Everything's lining up. Uh, do do you feel good about this team beating the Dodgers or any other team in the National League? I do, and I was thinking about this the other day. Is is you, they're going to get a bye, right? So they're going to have time off. I think in the past that time off kind of hurt them. Um, this year, I think they're 
built differently. I think that the lineup's just too deep in the, the cool part about the lineup. And I think this is the major reason that I think they're going to be fine. No matter what happens against any team is because it's not just been like the top three or four guys that have produced. It's not just been, you know, the middle of the lineup that produced, it's been everybody. So you have, you had the best bottom third in the game of baseball. And so if you have that many guys get pick each other up, that it doesn't matter like when you play or who you play because they can all hit good pitching. They all can hit home runs. They all drive in runs. They all have good at bats. Uh, there's no weak spot in the lineup. So say, you know, you're Ronald and Olsen and Riley struggle, right? You still have the guys in the middle order. Ozuna, Rosario can come up with big hits. You have the bottom part. Arcia had a big home run the other day uh, in extra innings. And then you have Michael Harris at the bottom. So there's so many guys that can pick up the slack if they need to pick up the slack. And I think that that, to me, is the biggest reason that these guys are going to be okay. Um, the pitching staff's got to be healthy, obviously, but uh, I thought what they did at, at, in L.A. was crucial going forward. And I, I the team that scares me the most right now is the Phillies. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> they scare me the most, and that's, that's who the Braves are probably going to play in the first round. So we'll see how it goes. But this this team, there's a completely different feel this year than there have been in the years past. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, the first thing we it's focus, crazy. Well, the first thing we focus on anytime with postseasons is, well, how does your pitching line up, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's yeah, like we can have the right mentality and everything else, but if a pitcher has an off day, you put yourself in a hole. Yeah, but but they seem to be in pretty good spot in that respect. As long as they're healthy, I mean, last year in the postseason, Max, um, he was sick, so that whole thing was messed up. Spencer Strider was coming off an injury. Um, so that was kind of shaky. Uh, this year you have, you have Spencer throwing the ball. Well, Max is back throwing the ball. Well, Charlie Morton has been outstanding. Uh, they might get Kyle Wright back too. Bryce Selder has been solid. So I think that they have enough pieces to get through it. And the offense is the best offense I've seen oh, so forever. Good. So, yeah, so they're still going to score runs. They're still going to score runs. It's crazy. <laughs> have you, have, when's the last, when's the last time you saw an offense? It's good ever. Um, you know, I, I go I go back to 2006, and um, we had a good offense in New York, uh, but we we weren't like this. It didn't feel like this. Uh, yeah. We had that year. We had but Jeter Cano. Um, we had Giambi, Sheffield, Alex Rodriguez, Posada, Bernie Williams, Matsui. <laughs> like Melky Cabrera was really good that year, but it, it didn't feel like this though. Because I yeah. think I think the biggest thing was a lot of those guys were a little bit older. Yeah, but it did. This this team is it's it is it is insane. If you watch them every day, it is freaking nuts how good they are. Yeah, it and is it, nuts. And I looked at you know that Dodgers lineup. It's an interesting one because the it's the the straws that serves a drink in that lineup is the top two guys, yep. right? Yep. Betts and Freeman, and like oh my, and and like how awesome is it for them? You set the tone with them, but then after that, you know it's it's. Guys who are good but not great. Like it seems mm-hmm. like the Braves have a lot of great, 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 great. <laughs> so I mean, that's just how it feels. Um, well, that, that's how it is. So. <laughs> there, there you go. See, I know the Braves. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that we've been asking guys, and um, because we've been getting unique answers out of and it just like this happenstance um it has nothing to do with the braves all right first one what is the most unique thing you've ever signed 
So Ooh. let me give you like, I've got toasters, welding helmets, prosthetic limbs, uh, socks. Um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of uh, cell phone covers. But obviously- I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a good one for you. Oh, this okay. recently. All right. So we're at a, the, I did a camp for the Braves. Um, and there's some, they, we were sit the my station, we were talking to the dugout, asking questions, whatever. So um, some kid asked me, hey, did you get a World Series ring? I said, yeah, I got a World Series ring. But it doesn't pop open. It's not the one that opens up and lights up. And a, another kid goes, oh, my, my grandpa got one. I was like, oh, who's your grandpa? And he goes, Brian Snicker. And I said, oh, okay, Brian Snicker. That's your grandpa. He's like, yeah. He's like, who are you? So, anyway, so that, that set up for me signing a shoe. So I signed <laughs> a shoe, and I saw Snit. A couple days later, he goes, hey, you ruined my grandson's shoe by signing it. <laughs> Bravo. That uh, is, yeah, man. It was so good. It was that's so right, funny, That's though. right there with a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's an excellent ruined Brian Snickers' grandson's shoe. Yeah, there you go. I hope you told that story. Do you tell that story on the air yet? Uh, I don't know if I told it yet or not. All right, the, pre, the pregame the pregame show is too condensed. I know. I have to get it. I have to get yeah. it in the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, another topic of conversation that has come up recently, and it stems off. Um, we I went out to dinner with the uh, the Joe Kelly, and it was Joe, and then a uh, bunch of rep- reporters. Oh, not a bunch. My wife, Will Fleming, a broadcaster, and um, Jemai Webster of Nesson. And a couple other people, um, and and I told him, I said, "Will you your fake paying game was so off the charts? It was like, it was like <laughs> the bill was over a grand, and Joe was obviously going to pay because he was the richest one there. Yeah, but the you know, but the oh no, and so we so we had Joe on the podcast, so we did this hashtag people who 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 fake pay." And, uh, and and then I'm thinking about it like this is such an interesting dynamic, right? Like Ken, Kendall Graveman, he talked about how he pretends to go to the bathroom and gives the credit card mm-hmm. to the waitress. But I don't know what your stance is. Like if it's just flat out, if you make more money than me, you're paying, or if I'm pretending, you know, I, I th- it's like a it's a weird, especially in the world of baseball where everybody knows what everybody makes. Yeah. So I don't know if you have a good fake pay. Well, I get story. I I got a story. I'm not going to mention names, but this is when I was early on in my career, and uh, we got to eat. I got to eat with a guy, actually two guys, I think. And um, the guy was with picks up the bill. He's like, "I got more time than you," and I'm like, "You got more time?" I mean, that's fine. I didn't care. But he's like, "I got more time." He had like he wasn't making any money. He he like maybe had fifty days more service time than I had. Um, but it, I thought it was pretty funny. I'm like, okay, I, I, that thing that stuck with me forever. But you know, when, when you think about it now, though, we go out to eat all the time on the road um, when we're traveling as broadcasters, and I feel bad because Jeff Francoeur picks up the bill all the time. Really, Darren O'Day, Darren O'Day picks up the bill all the time if he's there, and it's like they did make a whole lot more money than we did. But I feel bad about it too. I and and, and the, the one that we have we haven't got into like when do you take the leap of can we have separate checks? But well, we take the leap of that when it's just the broadcasters minus those guys. <laughs> it's like, hey, can we separate the checks? So so let me ask you. So when Frank Cor is doing this, 
And now we got to have him on to like actually like give his take on this. Yeah. But when Frank Core is doing this, do you pretend like do the do the reach for the wallet and be like, oh, oh absolutely. Oh. We all, my my wallet's like sitting right there on the table. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. The credit card doesn't want to come out yet, but it, it's there. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's funny because like Xander Bogart said that Rafi Devers last year would try to pay, and he wouldn't let him. He's like, don't worry. Don't worry, you'll have your time. And if Rusty <laughs> Dever is now, if he isn't paid for every meal, yeah, then what are, then what are we doing? But yeah. Uh, yeah, so important conversations to have be had. All right, Nick, uh, man, we solved a lot of problems today. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we had any real problem, but no, we no, tried not, to solve what they no, were. No, well, I know not problems, but we. Uh, I think we educated and informed and enlightened and entertained, which is the most yes, important thing. Hopefully so. But I do want to. I do want to sincerely say you're excellent on the broadcast. You're excellent at what you do. Uh, like much like I said, and when uh, you were the only one out in the clubhouse with the Red Sox, when everyone else was hiding. I said, you have a bright future, young man. You have a bright future, young man. They, we, who was in the clubhouse? Like me, Araco, and then... Um, uh, it was, it was, Okajima? Okajima was always done. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there was always... And it's kind of... I'm sure it's this way with a lot of teams, but although the Red Sox clubhouse is so smaller, so there's a lot more hiding. You know, it's like you're not going to yeah. hang out. But there was a run of, of guys who were always there. So I felt bad for you guys because we would always, Hey, you know, Hey Nick, what do you think about Mandy not running running out the ball? And it was like a run of Rocco Baldelli, you, Cody Ross, uh, Nick Punto. Yeah. Always good, good guys who, good guys who I will never forget and I'll pay it for it every time. So, Uh, well, thank you. you. I'm glad I could, I'm glad I could hang around. All right.